Good evening and welcome to March Book Club. This month we are reviewing Lucinda Riley's The Seven Sisters, The Missing Sister, with our usual panel of Felicity Radcliffe, Jean Fairburn and Alice Golding. Now let me just give you an introduction from Lucinda, which I got on the website, which will give you an idea about the books that she has written. So this is in her words. When I first had the idea of writing a series of books based on the Seven Sisters of the Pleiades, I had no idea where it would lead me. I was very attracted to the fact that each one of the mythological sisters was, according to their legends, a unique and strong female. Some say they were the seven mothers who seeded our earth. There is no doubt that in their stories, they were all highly fertile and had many children with the various gods who were fascinated by their strength, beauty, and ethereal air of mysticism. I wanted to celebrate the achievements of women, especially in the past, where so often their contribution to making our world the place it is today has been overshadowed by the more frequently documented achievements of men. However, the definition of feminism is equality, not domination, and the women I write about, both in the past and present, accept that they want and need love in their lives, not necessarily in the traditional form of marriage and children. The Seven Sisters series unashamedly celebrates the endless search for love and explores the devastating consequences when it is lost to us. As I travel around the world, following in the footsteps of my factual and fictional female characters to research their stories, I'm constantly humbled and awed by the tenacity and courage of the generations of women who came before me. Whether fighting the sexual and racial prejudices of times gone by, losing their loved ones to the devastation of war or disease, or making a new life on the other side of the world, these women pave the way for us to have the freedom of thought and deed that we enjoy today, and so often take for granted. The world is sadly still not a perfect place, and I doubt it ever will be because there will always be a new challenge ahead. Yet, I truly believe that humans, especially women, thrive on this. We are, after all, the goddesses of multitasking. And every day, with one hand guiding my children and the other a manuscript, I celebrate the fact that my freedom to be who I am was won by thousands of generations of remarkable women, perhaps leading right back to the Seven Sisters themselves. I'm sure that, like me, there will be one sister in particular you will most identify with and a sister you like the least. However, the beauty of writing about the girls is that each of them have their own unique strengths and weaknesses, just as we all do. And then there was Pa Salt, the sister's enigmatic father, his character only seen through the eyes of his grieving daughters after he dies. Who was he? And why did he adopt his girls from all four corners of the earth? The Seven Sisters is a story about humanity, love, family, joy, loss, fear, and pain. The Seven Sisters is a story about humanity, love, family, joy, loss, fear, and pain. And above all, the one gift that is more important than any other and has kept us humans alive throughout unbearable suffering, hope. I hope you enjoyed browsing through the extensive research I did to make the places and the characters come alive in the stories. 
Now, that was from the author Lucinda Riley. Now, I did look up reviews and I must admit that the majority of the views I found were very negative. I didn't really find a positive one. So I'm just going to quote one that is pretty neutral and then I'll be really pleased to hear what you three ladies think. This is a lady called Leslie. I was so excited to get this on my Kindle. I take my hat off to talented Lucinda for keeping hold of all the strands as we explore the possible identity of the missing sister via New Zealand, France, England and Ireland. But as a long time LR fan, it pains me to admit I found it all quite hard work. Lucinda is usually so skillful at peppering her novels with fascinating historical snippets. Here, I felt like I was being lectured to a lot of the time rather than learning organically as part of the story. The extensive Irish background detail is really interesting up to a point, but there was way too much of it. A lot of extraneous facts plonked in awkwardly or delivered in laboured speeches by the characters. I can understand that Lucinda needed to tie in as many threads as possible from previous books as the series comes to a close. But there were just so many old characters reintroduced and alongside a huge raft of new ones that it quickly became distracting. I was, however, delighted by the reappearance of Orlando from Star Story. He slotted effortlessly into the plot here and it was lovely to catch up with some of the others. Now, ladies, I'm aware that this book was thrown in at the last moment uh, last month when we decided who was going to um, advise what book to have. And that was Fliss. And it was only after we finished and I looked at everything, I didn't realise that this was a series of seven books. Or was it seven? Um, the Seven Sisters, I presume. So I assume that this is the only one that you've read of the seven books. Um, I've read another one. I've read right. The Pearls. I've read The Pearl Sister. Okay. There's a, a one, I think, the third or fourth one. Right, okay. Yeah. Now, having read, not read the books, but having read Lucinda's bit there about the books, I was very interested in it, especially as I'm a bit of a feminist and I do believe in the power and the strength of women. So I'd be really, really interested in what your thoughts are. So we are now going to start with Felicity, please, as you were the one that recommended the book. Okay, thank you very much, Sue. My first observation was that this was, to me, a yarn. It was a long story, and that came as something as a, of a relief compared with some of the other books we've reviewed recently, which have been perhaps a bit more serious, rather, and a little bit sort of quote-unquote sort of woke. It was a bit of a relief to sort of disappear into a narrative. As you've already mentioned, the book is the seventh in the series. And I thought it was actually quite impressive that for me, it did manage to stand alone as a discrete book, even though, as you said, we haven't read the previous six apart from the one that you've read, Alice. That was quite good, I think. I mean, I'm certainly on just writing the third in the series of three books at the moment, and I'm not sure my third would stand alone from the previous two, so that's quite an achievement. I found her style, Lucinda's style, quite reminiscent of Barbara Taylor Bradford. I don't know if any of you've read A Woman of Substance. Slightly old-fashioned sounding blockbusters. There was quite a sort of retro 
feel to this. So I don't know if um, Lucinda would be flattered or horrified by that comparison, but it did, it just sort of reminds me, particularly in the first third, where there was a sort of aspirational element where people were jetting all over the globe and you know flights were being booked and money was no object etc that did feel uh, a little bit like uh, Barbara Taylor Bradford's book. Coming back and I think relating to um, what your reviewer said in the dialogue I found some of the dialogue quite mannered because I think she sometimes fell into the trap of trying to explain what was quite a complex plot through the medium of dialogue, which to me didn't particularly work. You know, that some of the conversations came across as quite stilted because people were trying to explain things to the reader through the dialogue and telling each other things that actually in reality they would already know. So to me, some of the dialogue came across as quite stilted, although not all of it, some of it was a bit more a bit more natural. I did feel by the end of it that I'd learned more about the Irish struggle for independence than I knew before. It was a little bit, a little bit lectury, as the reviewer said, you know, sometimes it did feel a bit as though you were being beaten about the head with a, with a history book. But I, I did personally find that interesting. The whole Bobby, I don't know how you pronounce the surname, surname is it Noiro? You know, the character of, of Bobby, I found that plot line fell a bit flat for me. You know, it was obviously key to the whole sort of plot. I don't want to give too much away. But when the big reveal came, I felt it was a little bit of a damp squib for me. It's a bit under underwhelming. Overall on the plot, I found it entertaining quite involved, entertaining, it kept me wanting to know more. But some of the devices to delay the plot reveals felt a little bit, again, a bit unnatural and a bit forced. You know, people saying things like, oh, I'm too tired, I can't tell you that now, I'm going to sleep on it and then I'll tell you tomorrow kind of thing. It was, it was a little bit uh, false and a little bit mannered. But I did want to keep reading, I have to say. The cliffhanger at the end of the book left me absolutely aghast until I read the notes, read the author's notes afterwards and realised that there was actually going to be an eighth book. So if I had just sort of stopped the book, I was reading it on Kindle. So if I if I just clicked my Kindle off at the end of the book, I think I would have felt quite dissatisfied. But because I read on and realised there was going to be an eighth book, I wasn't quite as annoyed and uh, I did kind of think a bit how my own readers feel because I like a good cliffhanger and I was on the receiving end of one there and uh, and a bit a bit sort of blindsided by it. I think overall despite its flaws I rather enjoyed just being taken on the journey and just having a sort of good old-fashioned and it was did feel quite old fashioned to be a good old fashioned yarn, as I said at the beginning. I can't say that I particularly cared about any of the characters, with the possible exception of Ali. I didn't particularly care about what happened to any of them, but I'm probably still interested enough to A, read the eighth book and B, perhaps recap and read some of the previous books. So 
I guess that says something at the end of the day. So that's my overall take on it. Okay, so if you, somebody said to me, what is the book about, Fliss? How would you describe it? So it's a book about the search for the seventh of the seven sisters. So Parsold, the much loved um, adoptive father of the six sisters has died. And um, the sisters are going to have a memorial at sea at the place where they think he died. And they receive some information from the father's sort of lawyer at the beginning of the book, which gives them to understand that there's a seventh sister. And then they then the hunt for this seventh sister begins. And when they do start tracking the seventh sister down, she, because of events that have happened in her past, she misinterprets their motives and their actions. So there's these two plot lines running in in parallel of what the seventh sister thinks is going on and then what the other six sisters are doing to try and find her. And the action moves across the globe. It starts in... New Zealand and it segues to Geneva and Provence and places and then the 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 sort of second half of the book is pretty much all set in Western Cork in Southern Ireland. So does it make you want to read the other books? I think I would I would read the eighth one and perhaps recap and read some of the um the earlier ones time time permitting because they are very very long books but yeah, if I want a bit of sort of switch your brain off kind of light entertainment, then then I probably would. Uh, a holiday read, I would say, for me. OK. All right, Fliss, thanks ever so much. We will have a little musical interlude now before the commercial break. And then in part two, we will speak with Alice and Jean to see what they thought of the book. Welcome back to March's Book Club, where we are reviewing Lucinda Riley's The Missing Sister from the Seven Sisters series. We heard from Felicity in part one, and now we're going to hear from Alison and Jean. So over to you, Alison. I actually preferred The Pearl Sister to this one. I thought this one tried very hard to incorporate all the other sisters in it because they were looking for The Missing Sister so the other six sisters, she tried to incorporate them all from the other six books, whereas they'd all have their own book beforehand. So it did make it very complicated, as the reviewer said. You know, she sort of, there was a lot of recapping of where they were with the other ones. And having not, so in a way, I suppose it was quite good if you've not read any of the previous books, then you get an insight into those characters. So in that respect, it was quite useful, but it did make it overly long, I thought. The, it's like a very, as you as you said, Fliss, like a, 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 one of those old fashioned epic family sagas, basically. So, I, I mean, I did enjoy it. It's a very good value for it's an enormous book for the, for the price of it. So you, you definitely get value for money on that one. So where where was I? Yeah, it's a quest novel, isn't it? So the, each sister is searching for their birth mother. 
um, and their past families. And it, this is why it's basically two stories in one. There's a present story and a story that in, searches in the past to find the 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 fact the saga the the, the old family. So I personally thought the historical bits were more successful than the present day bits. I preferred those. I thought they were more interesting than the bits that were set in the present, especially in this particular novel. Yeah, I mean, in the, in the Pearl Sister, they, that was all set in Australia. And there was quite a lot of discussion there about all the, 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 the Maoris and how children were given away in the, it, the married children were given away to children's homes if the, the mother wasn't married and things like that. So that, that was quite a, it was quite a traumatic read, that one. I thought, but the the historical bits in it were really very very interesting. And in this one, it was all uh, about the troubles in North, in in Ireland. Um, set it started from the nineteen twenties onwards, and it was all very much how horrible the British were to the Irish. So that was very heavily heavily weighted in that direction. So I thought that the, the historical sections were very well done. I thought she it was very well written. Um, but she does lose a, use a lot of words in her sentences and all the rest of it. So it is a very, very long book. I did enjoy it. And as you said, that Fliss, there's a, there is another one to come. There's the book eight, which is basing itself on past salt. So hopefully we'll eventually get to the bottom of why he adopted all the sisters in the first place. Because I was, re as you, as you, Fliss, I was very disappointed when I got to the end of it because I thought a lot of it was going to be resolved and it wasn't. So I did sort of think that, especially after you've read, if you'd read all seven of them and you got to the end of it and then discovered there was another book eight to read and you read all of these massively long books, it must be extremely frustrating to get to the end of it. And I've only read two of them and they both took me quite a long time to read. And I did enjoy it. I'm not quite so sure whether I am going to go back and read any more of them, though. I think I've sort of I think I've had my fill of them, really. But yes, I did enjoy it. So, so what period in time are these books? Well, they're set in the present day. They are the start right. of yeah. The quest bits are all set in the present day, mm -hmm. and they have to go and search for their birth mothers, basically. Um, but but the historic then they search back in time to find where the where they all originate, and it all originates around about the nineteen twenties. So something happened in the nineteen twenties. Presumably, we'll get to know this in the new Parsalt book, why they they all start their quest in the 1920s. Thing that happened in his past family or whatever that set all the ball rolling for all these these uh, this saga to start in the 1920s. Because it was similar in the Pearl Sister, it was around about that time as well, where the the uh, the mother emigrated from Scotland to Australia around about that time got a ship got, got a ship out to Australia so it, it was set it was exactly the same as this one being set in the troubles in 1920s Ireland the one in the Pearl Sister was also set in uh, Australia in the 1920s and and so uh, there must be some reason as to why the it's the historical bits start in that time period and presumably we'll find it out in the eighth book and and did they all have different mothers Yes. And um, what was the age difference between all the seven sisters? <laughs> that was what was interesting in this book, because the sister that you assume is the sister isn't the sister. So and that's because of the age, uh, the age that you assume but the age. But that is a bit of a twist in the plot 
So I, I better not, perhaps better not say any more about that. Well, well, obviously, if they're all different mothers, it doesn't matter about nine months, does it? No. Um, <laughs> Flish, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I just remembered something that I wanted to say that I discovered in the notes, which was that the author was stuck in West Cork during lockdown. So I think there was an element of expediency that she thought, right, I'm here in West Cork. I'm going to set the 1920s bit of my story, as Alice is saying, in West Cork. So I kind of get the impression that she picked sort of different parts of the world where she wanted to base these seven sisters, probably places that she was interested in, that she wanted to travel to, that she wanted to research. So good on her, you know, great way to sort of travel the world. But I think this net, this last one, actually circumstances dictated what she had to do because she was literally locked down in Ireland. So it, it I think it would be quite interesting um, to me now to read some of the other books where she chose where she was going to go rather than having sort of circumstances dictate but you know I think she made she made good, a good job of being in Ireland and thinking well I'm here in Ireland I'm going to base a book around it let's go sort of thing so okay and now we're going to hear from Jean so off you go Jean what do you think of this interesting very long book I agree, which is very rare with my co-conspirators. It actually, it all started into 1921, because that was the year the American, not the American, the War for Irish Independence started. And that's why she started it then. As Fliss said, it was all very, no, actually it was, it was you, Alison. It was very Irish Republican Army brave. She used brave. Every time she mentioned them, she used the adjective brave. She used it hundreds of times. They were brave. And the black and tans, British torturers, fire raisers, horrible. There was no gradation of um, language. There was, no, there was no gradation that, you know, they were blowing up people, killing people, murdering people. That was all sort of by the way. It was all wonderful. So I found it rather naive linguistically. So I didn't actually um, care about the rest of it. I just read the New Orleans Finn story because I couldn't make head or tail of the rest of it. I thought it was rather self-indulgent, much too complex, um, but it was well written, the Irish bits. Um, but it was so complicated, so long. Um, what she was doing also was celebrating strong women. But of course, they were, they started off strong, the women. Um, there was no mention of why the um, Easter uprising would have been seen as so bad. But of course, it was because it was, you know, the year of Battle of the Somme, Passchendaele, and all the rest of them. And it was kind of a betrayal in some respects. I don't know if you noticed it, you mentioned of the Titanic, being the Titanic and the Lusitania, and she said, oh, that brought the Americans in. I thought, well, the Titanic was 1912, and that had absolutely nothing to do with being torpedoed by the Germans, as the Lusitania was. But anyway, it was very much a, um, what's the word, a tribute to Michael Collins, the original Irish Republican Army founder. She attacked Valera, who negotiated the um, division of Ireland. There's a lot of politics in it that chose not to um, chose not to go down that path. It was a bit naive. I think the whole thing was naive about the Republican army. There was no mention of the 
um, campaign on mainland, blowing up Tim Parry, Jonathan Ball, things like that, the Guildford pub bombs, Birmingham pub bombs, the English for evil imperialists. And that was it, really. I feel a bit guilty because, of course, Lucinda Riley died last year. So it's a fitting tribute. And I do believe her son is going to finish the eighth book about past salt. Uh, did you read the book all the way through, Jean? No. Right. Well, I guess that. Okay. Mm. So you just you just pick and chose bits that you were interested in. Well, they were the most interesting. Um, I just found it so complex. I thought you really would have to read it from the beginning and be a fan of hers. She reminded me of a hairy mantle. The fact that a hairy mantle couldn't get, let go of Thomas Cromwell. Okay, I didn't realise that she had passed away. Did you, ladies? No, everybody's nodding their heads. No, that's very sad. I feel very sad. Now, what I said. <laughs> so yes, well, that's interesting that her son's going to going to finish the past salt book because it yeah. does sort of really does leave it on a bit of a cliffhanger. Really, you don't quite know where 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 it was going to end. Really, so. Um, oh, no, at the end of the book, there was a, there was a definite cliffhanger, was there? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which was why once you've got... That's what I was trying to say. After you've got to the end of this... If you'd read all the previous books and you got to the end of the seventh book, you were expecting it to be resolved, and yeah. it wasn't. And yeah. that's that's why it was quite a big disappointment, I, I, for me anyway. And I'd only read two books, so if I'd read all seven of them, <laughs> I think I would have been very disappointed. So... Um, you know, so uh, so, so that's quite interesting that he's going to, to. She's obviously written a lot of notes as to where it was going to go and all the rest of it. So, but um, should be interesting. I think she, I think her difficulty also was the fact that she was trying to celebrate strong women. But as you know, um, there's only been abortion in Southern Ireland since 2018. It was the last. EU country, I think. She was only 56 when she passed away. Yeah. And she passed away with um, cancer of the esophagus. And yeah. it's her husband, her, sorry, her son, Harry Whitaker, um, who is going to continue with the uh, final novel of her Seven Sisters series, according to Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. And she was an Irish lady. Yeah, Cork. So did you all realise she was Irish? Oh, God, yeah. Well, you did, Jean, but did everybody else? Well, to be honest, the way that she was promoting the Irish side of the, the history of it, I did suspect that she was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Very, obviously very pro-Irish and very anti-British. So, um, yeah, I did get the impression that she possibly was, from, was Irish. So, so was there a lot of politics in this book then? Oh, God. Rather than- Rather than a novel, the the historical bits, yes, uh huh, they were very very detailed and very swayed in one direction. Well, I thought and very lengthy. But they were. I thought they were the most successful part of the book. Myself, yes, I enjoyed all the historical bits. Enjoyed the historical bits in this one, and I enjoyed the historical bits of the one that was set in Australia with the Maoris and um, and the history behind that. That was all very interesting as well. 
And so she's very, very strong on that. She's obviously does a huge amount of research on it. Well, she did say in her preview, which I read out, that she'd travelled all around the world. So I presume there was um, obviously from different parts of the world. Did you find it the same, Felicity, that it was a, a very historical novel? I thought the, the second half, yes, obviously, there was a lot of Irish content about it, but it wasn't a historical novel per se, I wouldn't say. It was, uh, what I found surprising, I mean, I, I always try to read the book and not the author. So, hence, I don't do any research into the author. I just sort of read the book and judge it on its own merits. I found it interesting in your intro that she said that she was so keen to portray a set of strong women. Yeah. I think one of the flaws was that she actually didn't place them in a situation which allowed their strengths to come across because they're all the adopted daughters of this man who's obviously hugely off the scale wealthy. There's a big trust fund there in the background to which they all have access if anything, if anything's, you know, if they're a bit on the on their uppers, etc. Obviously, I'm not saying that, you know, rich, rich people can't be strong or rich people don't have problems, but I can imagine readers thinking, oh yeah, you know, you're okay because in the background there is always this safety net. Mm -hmm. So it's not like perhaps other novels that place their women in more perilous situations that actually bring out their strengths. They were in a situation where there was always this safety net, so that strength couldn't be quite so well demonstrated, if that makes any sense. These women carrying guns about, doing the washing of these rebels, handing explosives over, which they call manure, and nothing had happened to them. I think that that's where the feminist bit came in. Was it came? It was much stronger in the historical parts of the novel than it was the one set in present day, because obviously with the safety net that, that you were going on about this. I think the strong women were the historical women, which is why I think it was slightly more successful in the historical parts of the novel rather than the novel bits that were set in the present day. That's it. Yeah, I must agree with that. Yes, I agree with that, Alice. Uh, particularly you... around Nula's, Nula's diary, which I, which for me was one of the most affecting mm. parts of it. Yeah. Um, obviously, she had to have that slightly awkward device of, we know that Nula is only sort of semi-literate, but she took the diary and obviously morphed it into her own style so because you know it would have been too difficult to write it in Nula's actual voice um but despite that I think I think for me that was one of the most affecting parts of the book I didn't see it as successful because after all um if you think about the Republic of Ireland this being the last to get abortion it was almost the last to have access to um, birth control and it was totally dominated by the Catholic Church, the um, Constitution. It was almost, it seemed to be a mismatch, but I admire her for doing what she set out to do, but didn't work. But what do you think she set out to do then, Jean? Celebrate Michael Collins and the setting up of the Irish War of Independence that she caused. Do you agree with that, Fliz? It, uh, the, the Irish bit to me, it was almost like a book within a book. But I think there was then the overarching narrative of the Seven Sisters, which I think 
for me was probably the dominant part obviously given that it was the seventh of seven books none of which were previously set in Ireland as far as I know yeah for me it almost felt like felt like a sort of vignette within within the book I didn't read it so much as a book about the Irish question as about as a quest novel I think you described it as Alice which which I think for me was a, a good way of uh, of sort of summing it up. I must admit that when I read the original notes and obviously got this absolutely wrong, I thought that this was all based on mythological characters. Well, it is, it isn't. The Pleiades of the um, seven. That's probably why I thought it was all mythological characters, but it's not. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think I think her original concept was that each of the seven sisters would had the personality of the seven sisters that from the mythology that right. was how and uh, that is how she has used the characters um within it that's how she set the, the the personalities of each of those characters they're all named after one of those seven sisters and they all have those personality traits of the mytholic mytholic mythological sorry of those sisters so that's what she set out to do and I think that's what she did do um but obviously with it being set in present day um it it takes on a slightly different right. slant if you see what I mean okay so. okay Welcome to part three of March's Book Club with our usual panel of Alice Goulding, Christy Radcliffe and Jean Fairburn. We have reviewed Lucinda Riley's The Missing Sister from the Seven Sister series. Right. Well, I think that's a pretty good synopsis of the book. Will you be reading number eight? Now it's going to be written by her son. Me, no. Jean, no. Alice? Mm, I'm, I'm sort of in two minds, really. If I've got a lot of time, I might go back and read the others because I did I did enjoy it. Um, as I say, I don't... I, I I thought the Pearl Sister was more successful than this one because I think she tried to tie too many threads together in this one rather than concentrating on the one sister and which she did in the Pearl Sister. Although the other characters were mentioned, it wasn't to such a great extent and I thought it was more successful. So if I have a little bit more time, I might go back and read them because I did enjoy them, especially the historical bits. So that's a a maybe from me. And please. Well, I have to say, I think her son has taken on a Herculean task because he's got these seven books with lots of plot lines spinning around that he has got to tie together. So mm. if anything, I'm curious to see how he how he does it. the challenge. Mm. And mm. I kind of hope that he doesn't take too much notice of the notes and that right. he, may, he, may be, he may be just sort of edits it down a bit. And uh, mm. because... I think there were some plot lines towards the end of it. I don't want to spoil it for the listeners, but there were some bits toward the, the end of it where you could sort of see where it was going. Mm. So I actually think he could he could bring it all home in a shorter novel than any of the previous ones. Right. So I quite like to see him write something more punchy, about half the length, a bit sort of bish-bash-bosh, 
and perhaps make it sound a little bit more contemporary. Mm. So I'd be quite interested to see how he he um, how he addresses the task. But I don't envy him, um, particularly when you've got the whole emotional baggage of being true to your mothers, if you like. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think I'll read it just to see how he copes with the challenge, really. Right. Well, I, okay. I, I think I agree with you on that one, Fliss. I think that he ought to listen to you and do exactly what you said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of who wrote the books, The Girl with a What's It Tattoo? Uh, the Dragon Tattoo. The Dragon Tattoo. Oh, I've read those. Um, I, I can't remember. I've got uh, it. Steve Larson. Steve oh, Larson. Yeah. yeah. Was yeah, it, I, didn't, didn't he die? He did. He died. And somebody was going to take over the last book. Was it, or am I thinking of something else? No, you're not. You're absolutely right, Sue. Yeah. Somebody else yeah. did take um, take over the book. And don't ask me for the name of the person who took it over. Yeah. But my personal view was um, it didn't work. It just didn't. It. it for me, it, it, it he just wasn't as good a writer as Larson. And that's yeah. no insult. I mean, because I think Larson was amazing. And yeah. his books were really long. But, you know, I sort of hung on every word. So it well, was a I hard did, act to follow, put it that way. Yeah, I did read The Girl with the Dragon's Jewel. I thought it was a brilliant book. I can't remember what other books there were. Uh, but I just vaguely remember that um, he passed away and somebody was going to take over. And now we're going to just have a general chat and Alice is going to tell us about the book that she's going to suggest that the panel will review for April. So off you go, Alice. Um, it's called Both of You by Adele Parks. Um, it's a Sunday Times number one bestseller and it is out at the moment. Um, so I, I, I picked it up from Waitrose and thought, hmm, maybe I will read this one and suggest it for book group. I haven't started it yet. So I don't know what it's about. It says... So give, give, us a, give us a read from the back then to give us an idea. Okay, let me just put my glasses on. Right, here we go. It has had me gasping at the twist. That's from Ian Rankin. Leigh Fletcher, devoted wife and stepmum, goes to work one day and never returns home. Same week, different world, Kai Jensen leaves her sexy, wealthy husband and their luxurious penthouse and vanishes into thin air. Both husbands seem distraught, claiming they have no idea where their wives have gone. DC Clements wants answers. Did these women run away or were they taken? Most importantly, where are they now? When the detective discovers a shocking link between the missing women, it's clear the truth can devastate. Now Clements must work against a ticking clock before both wives disappear forever. So it actually sounds quite interesting. So Okay, there you are, ladies. So what is it? Just remind me what it is again. It's called Both of You by Adele Parks. Adele Parks, right. Is she a British author? Do you know anything about her at all? I have no idea. No, no idea. OK, <laughs> well, we'll do a bit of research before April, won't we, ladies? I, I've i got a feeling I've read a previous book by Adele Parks. Does it, does right. it say um, what her previous books are there? Um, yeah, I've got Alice. loads of it. You might have. Uh, oh, well, there's one of her books was made into a film called Just My Luck with Chris Pine in. Um, that's a romance that I've seen. Anyway, um, she's written. Yeah, no, she's written loads. Uh, Lies, Lies, Lies. I Invited Her In. The Image of You. The Stranger in My Home. If You Go Away. Spare Brides. The State We're In. Whatever It Takes. About Last Night. Men I've Loved Before. Love Lies, Tell Me Something, 
happy families, young wives' tales, husbands, still thinking of you, the other woman's shoes, larger than life, game over, and playing away. So Not a lot then. She has written loads. <laughs> she has written loads. Oh, well, re- right. respect to Adele Park. She's prolific. I think yeah. it might have been the other woman's shoes that I read, but I, I, I can't remember it. So, okay, yeah. all right, ladies. So, what's been happening? I tell you what. I saw uh, a film that I'm not reading. Uh, Belfast. Kenneth Branagh's Belfast. Did anybody see it? Looks good. No. <laughs> oh, it is absolutely brilliant. I'm a huge fan of Kenneth Branagh, anyway. But it is autobiographical. It's just about his childhood in the early '60s during the Troubles. And um, it's it's a really really well written, uh, well directed, well acted, well produced. It's an it's an excellent excellent film. So I I strongly recommend that you see it. I'll just 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 say Bridgerton's come the new Bridgerton's out. I think is it next weekend in time for Mother's Day. So. You will be rushing to see it, won't you, Alice? <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to hogging I'm hogging one of my kids' Netflix accounts. <laughs> because <laughs> we don't have it we, we just use the kids so I'm going to hog one of their Netflix accounts and I'm going to sit there all day with my my bottle of fizz and tell them all to go away <laughs> that's, that's my so you're going to binge it all the way through are you? I am absolutely wow. <laughs> that'll be morning noon and night <laughs> Adele Parks is incredibly young well she's Go written ahead. a hell of a lot of books for such a young person yeah She's obviously a very prolific writer. Mm. Well, if she's churning them out like that, are they going to be that good? I don't know. It might be formulaic. Yeah, might be interesting to see. So what have you been up to, ladies? Anything interesting since last time? I mean, the world's gone mad. It's all very, very depressing. Um, But apart from switching on the news, and I switched Sky News on, not wanting to see it, but also wanting to see it, if you see what I mean. Um... It's just all so horrible. I watched a program about Afghanistan last night. That was depressing. Yeah. Okay. Can we do something that cheers us up? Maybe something that cheers us up. I'm COVID clear. COVID clear. Well done, Jean. <laughs> so were you really poorly? No. You weren't really poorly. No. Well, I've been through. I was more poorly after the third jab. God. Um, right okay yeah we had my son had it as well he 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 was off work for 10 days with it because he kept testing positive and um he'd only just started a new job as well bless him um and he was just trying to get the hang of this new job and then had to go off work for 10 days with covid and then he had a week so he went back for one morning and then had a week's holiday booked so bless him he's starting back tomorrow and i don't think he's going to have a clue what he's supposed to be doing so, oh, but we, none of us caught it from him. He he got it. He actually was he he was he was a little bit poorly with it. Um, yeah. But, but none of us caught it. We was uh, you know living in the same house. We were so surprised. We've all been jabbed. So these jabs obviously work, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. We, didn't get it, we didn't get it when my sister, my daughter got it either. So um, we've been very lucky. I gave, my, I gave it to two friends. Felt terribly guilty. Oh dear, oh dear. You didn't give it to me, Jean, so we're all right. He's <laughs> oh, been doing, doing it with oh, I did wonder whether I gave it to you, but I think you had it when I turned up when I turned up with, with the, the book to return you, to you. So you have to move from a distance. No, you just 
<laughs> well, well, my son had it at Christmas, I think I may have told you, and um, he was with eight of us for three days and um, none of us got it. So um, I don't know, yeah. it's, it's a, a very weird, but it is, it's pretty bad at the moment out there. And uh, yeah, but the, de but the death toll is now less than it is for flu. So yeah, um, yeah. Th these jabs and also I don't think this one is quite as bad as the original one, but we're all getting a more immunity to it. So yeah. Yeah. You know, um, it, it hopefully it will just turn out to be a little bit like flu eventually. We're more in danger with Mr. Putin, I think, aren't we? Well, yes, uh -huh. and um, as you were telling us about this programme with Jon Snow last night, the nuclear question as to whether we all start building bunkers in our garages and um, stop buying tins of beans. Mind you, I don't think I'd want tins of beans if I was going to be stuck <laughs> in a bunker in my carriage. Exactly, exactly. I don't I, 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 I don't know. I don't know if we should be worried or not. I don't know. I really don't know. I'm, I'm just, glad that we have our own independent nuclear deterrent. Can you imagine being hooked up to Europe at the moment? Because they're so divided. Well, the, I mean, the one of the things that came out, I don't know how, how good these nuclear arsenal that Russia has is anyway, because... It, it, after they sort of came out of the Cold War and everything, it's all very, very old and um, probably Absolutely. rusting. So yeah. how good they are, I don't know. They're more likely to kill themselves, I think. Well, are they, are they as good as their Russian tanks that have been absolutely appalling? One yeah. doesn't know. The man is an absolute bully and everybody's cowering and frightened of him. And um, I just think that we should go in there, but I'm in the minority. So I just don't. No, I, just, I think most people agree something i don't think we you know we, we should be dictated to by an insane bully and that's what we are we're all cowering thinking oh my god it's going to start world war three but um the man is um definitely insane well i don't know about he's insane or not but he's, he's a narcissist isn't he? he he's 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 unbalanced he doesn't look well um and uh he's committing genocide and um it, it's appalling that you know in that city was it Maripol where these people are imprisoned in a cellar and they can't get out and they're just going to starve to death and um, they're allowing that to happen I just find yeah. it extraordinary totally agree with you it's dreadful are we going to watch every city be destroyed exactly. we're just going to sit back and watch a, a country being annihilated and do nothing yeah sanctions yeah 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 and we're going well, to watch them do it and then he'll, he'll it's caught everybody on the hop, I think. We, although no. we have the signs, we ignored them. Yeah, we haven't been I caught on the I think that's what hop. the issue is. I don't think anybody really thought it would go through it. So we go, go through COVID. We're all very much insular, insular with COVID and all staying home and all the rest of it. And then suddenly we come out of COVID and then we're hit with this. It's just... Yeah, yeah. yeah but Malcolm, awful. Angela Merkel was warned and warned and warned about um, the um, gas pipeline. Oh, well, I, I'm, I haven't got any gas in my house. <laughs> no, we, had our, we had our gas taken out last year. So. <laughs> we don't have the I choice. Have, I, have a, no I, am, I am in smug mode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my lovelies. Well, that is the end then. So um, we will come back next month in April after Easter. And um, we will discuss your book, Alice. In the meantime, keep safe, keep well. And thank you very much for all your input. Bye now. Bye. Bye. Bye.